Boom shakalaka. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. Who owns your church website? Five questions with Neil Smith and Doctor Who's 50th anniversary episode trailer. Who owns your church website? That's the question today on the Church Mag Podcast. Who owns the design? of your church website. A few years ago, I went to redesign my church website, and I was talking to the secretary there who was also dealing with a lot of the creative, very talented lady who was not only secretary, but dealt with some of the creative aspects of the church, the branding and and whatnot. And I was talking to her about the website design, and she said, be sure that you don't use the exact colors and be careful not to have too similar of a layout because the previous websites, they own the creative rights to that site. And I was blown away. I'm like, these are the official church colors. In fact, the icons, the logo that you're using on the old website that the design company used, I had designed years ago. And you're telling me that they own the rights to the color and the layout, but they used the church's look. I mean, it was like mind-boggling to me. I mean, we didn't really like their layout anyway, so it wasn't an issue. And uh, the color was changing slightly anyway, so it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't an issue, it wasn't a problem. But the idea and the thought that a design company, much like a photographer owns the pictures of your wedding, kind of how that works, that's exactly how it worked with the company that did their website and i was like man this is crazy the whole area of of intellectual property is is has been riddled with problems for years like in the church and and in the the quote-unquote real world i'm too young to actually remember this happening but i've heard about it when uh, when letterman switched from nbc to cbs they had a little running feud that some of his bits including the top 10 list was NBC's intellectual property and he couldn't do it on CBS. And so he had some fun with it. And eventually they, they gave in on, a, on, I guess all of it. I'm not sure. It was their intellectual property, even though it came from his mind. Exactly. That, yeah, because it was yeah. on their shows. And, their, right. and like, I think I'm pretty sure one episode, he started living the top 10 list. And then he had, um, who's NBC's news guy. Was that Brokaw? He had Brokaw. Come on and t- and and the scripted Brokaw came on and took the cards from him, claiming it was in, it was uh, NBC's uh, intellectual property, and then walked off with the uh, top ten list cards. So I mean, kind of humorous stuff there, but intellectual property is um is going to be a huge deal. I mean, it already is a huge deal, but all, all we have anymore is intellectual property. It's all digital intellectual real estate now. And so if we don't solve these problems in the real world and in the church, we're having some massive issues. To continue the anec- anecdotal train. We had a guy create a Facebook page for our youth group and a Twitter account for the youth group. And then when he left, no one else was admin on those accounts. Kids were still, you know, following those accounts. And so it's like, okay, uh, you know, what do I do? And he was, he didn't give us the admin stuff. But then again, I, I didn't, I asked him like once or twice, but I didn't really chase him down for it either. Because all I was going to do was shut him down. And, and I think eventually he did do that himself, but it was a few months later. And, and he was... On the other end, he was he was really you know he was good. He didn't like use those accounts to stir any junk up. He didn't cause any problems. But it kind of made me think about it. Who owns that stuff? You know who 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 is it? Is it is it his social media account that he can use wherever he wants to now that he's no longer employed by the church? Because if that is, he could do a lot of damage to us via those things all our students now follow. So it's one of those areas I think churches don't think about. It's not part of their policies. 
like our, our kids pastor just created a Twitter account and Facebook page for our kids ministries. I mean, it's called Cornerstone Kids. That's you know, we're Cornerstone Church, Cornerstone Kids. Right. Who owns that domain name? And I've exactly I've brought this up before on Church Mag. Who has the details on your domain name? Mm-hmm. You know, who has the login? Who has the who is information? You know, these are really important. I am shocked when I even talk with with small businesses that I've done websites for, and uh, they they say, go ahead and take care of everything. Now they trust me, and we have a relationship, and I'm not going to do anything nefarious, but. You know, to be so kind of slipshot with domain names, I mean, that's like a whole other level beyond even your social media account. But even still, if it's in someone else's name, forget about it. In the example that we said at the beginning of the podcast with with my church, you know, that is something that if if a church is having a website done, that is obviously a question that should be asked. You know, who who owns this? And it's interesting as we talk about these in, these intellectual property rights. In the situation where Church Mag buys, okay, Phil writes something for Church Mag, okay? We post it. We own it. It's all Phil's idea. We give Phil credit, everything. But we can do whatever we want with it. We can turn it into an ebook and sell it, whatever. But you have to understand that we're paying Phil for that blog post. So we're, we're paying him for a service. He performs the service. We take it. We can do whatever we want with it. What's interesting about this website scenario is that the church is paying for a, the same thing, a service, for them to create something, but they are still owning it. They, the design company, is still owning it, so much so that even though the church is paying for that service and for that work, they have no control or any rights over it. Which totally seems backwards to me. It's entirely backwards. What do you think, Jeremy? I think that a lot of times churches just don't give a flip. And I think that's unfortunate because... Is it because they don't give a flip? Or is it just ignorance? Or is it this kind of naivety? Um, I think a lot of times it is about ignorance as much as it is about they're too busy to care. As much as it is that it's a great grand idea I'm going to pawn it off on someone else to do it, and I'm just going to worry about my part of this, and I'm going to keep giving you ideas and expecting you to do it and moving on. And in some regards, we the church just kind of manipulates the process of this is for God, so you need to just do it. And when businesses and organizations that have this policy come in and do this they're not doing it just for the church they're doing it to they're doing it for other businesses that's how they make their livelihood and i i personally don't have a problem with the fact that they own the creative rights to that but the church gets the sense in them that we're the church we're doing stuff for god how can you do this to us for me that's where the for me that's where the issue comes is that there's this disparaging issue of I do not want to hold back because I, th- I think that, that we should own it all because we're doing this for God, and that's just not the case. We need to fall into a business line and make sure we're doing things well. So that's that's kind of like kind of neither here nor there. It's not, you know, this is wrong or right, but this is, this is just how it is, and we need to operate under that mentality. But the, just the idea that, that a web design company would claim rights over the, the church's colors, I mean, wouldn't that be like an ad agency or someone doing doing work for FedEx and then being like, oh, whoa, FedEx, I see you're using another design company. You know, you can't you can't use your colors. But that's the that's the purpose of doing the in-house and FedEx can do it in-house. And so these companies, 
they're not doing it just to churches. They're doing it for all businesses. And so if a business does it and then they want to redesign, you have to change your colors a little bit. Even if it's your logo? Are we sure about this? Yeah. You can tell that I know a lot about this. <laughs> we need a church mag intern who can research stuff for us on the fly. Yeah, right. My depth of knowledge on this subject is, is ridiculously shallow, if you can't tell. How do you know this to be, Phil? Shallow? Uh, Jeremy, how do you know this to be true? Or are you just pushing back? Um, I, it's more of a of a just general sense that I think that businesses, that churches don't see themselves as businesses. And so they don't feel like they need to operate in the business model. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Because if you were approaching that like a business, I think that that would be some of the things that you might think about, or you would look at the contract a little bit closer and have that understanding mm-hmm. and have that, have that talk, you know, I, th- I think you're absolutely right when it comes to that. You know, we're just we're just so anxious. We don't have the know-how, the experience, and uh, it's important to to talk to those that uh, that know. And you know, I will say, Eric, I, maybe this is something we need to address here. But you said it so flippantly and so as a throwaway comment because it's just the common DNA of church mag. But when you write something for someone and you don't pay them you technically don't own the rights to that content. And and in my experience outside of Church Mag, um, this happens all of the time. And it wasn't until I joined Church Mag that I realized I need to be paying for my content to own it and to do whatever I want with it. And I think a lot of people that are doing a lot of guest blogging and accepting guest blogs are really putting themselves at risk by not paying people for the content. And I think that that's a huge issue and liability that people need to realize. What what kind of risks do you think that they're assuming by doing that, do you think? Well, in some ways, they're risking the fact that I could just have them pull the content whenever I want them to, and I can repurpose it any other place I want. I could duplicate the exact same content anywhere else I want, thus hurting your search engine optimization. I can take credit for the the ads that are on your website that you're profiting off of me. There's a whole lot of liability that's going on. From the heart, it's, you know, we appreciate what you're doing. We understand there's an effort. We're going to compensate you for that. We're going to actually not just say we're a community, but we're going to act like we're a community, but that there's even some uh, some some legal ramifications there as well. I'd, I'd never thought about that. And Jeremy, that is why you are so awesome. That's why you that's pay why. us, not because you love us just to save your own butt, right? That, that's why you're getting an uh, <laughs> iPad Air, Jeremy. Yes. Hey, um, let's real quick, not to not to take away Jeremy's Jeremy's pushback by pushing back myself, but let's scale this down a little bit. Let's look at churches who are a little smaller. They're not hiring a design company. They're having someone do it in-house, um, either a layperson or a staff person. So a layperson leaves the church. They have all the domain names, they have everything. How do you how do you tactfully get that back? Education. That's what we need to do. You know what Church Mag needs to do? We need to come up with like an ebook or something. This like the basics of you know the the basic guide to church websites and just oh, totally. you know like for a pastor mm-hmm. or a church secretary or whoever. Right. Okay. Uh, the title doesn't matter. It would be somebody that doesn't really know much about websites at all that could kind of outline some of these basic things. So if they're hiring a design company or they are having someone in the church do it, they can ask the right questions and they can require the right information so that if that happens, like you said, Phil, they can do that. Because I had to try to get my hands on the domain name for somebody. I was helping them out with their website. And they're like, 
the password for what? Oh, gosh. And, you know, I, I kind of went over it again. And I, and I had looked up the information to figure out who they were hosted with because they didn't even know who their domain name was hosted with. I'm like, you know, you know, what's the password to this account? The password for the – I don't have – do I have an account with that? You know, I mean, I, I was just floored. You know, I'm like, wow, you don't have this information. I mean, this is yeah. the lifeline. This is the oxygen of your website. And you don't, you don't know. It was just really eye-opening that, that it's just not – thought about well like let, let's look at this example here marley pastor does our website and let's say he designs it um outside of office hours at home and he does that because he loves the church and he's you know he wants to you know grow the church so he designs the website at home does he read church mag oh yeah oh, yeah he he actually recommended church mag to me he's like hey you should read this website so what you're telling me is he is listening to this podcast oh yeah and he's like that's phil i told him about church mag how come i'm not on that podcast he's he's easily as smart or not smarter than me he has no time okay now you're just kissing up because you know he's listening (laughs) not at all that's not he's there's i'm pretty sure that there's some sort of inception (laughs) mental feedback going on right now i just it's got to be because you're talking about him. I'm like this. I'm telling you. He's, he does a website in Joomla. And I don't understand Joomla at all. I looked at it once. I hated it. And then go back. I'm, I'm more of a WordPresser. Whoa, 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 whoa. Phil, Phil, you said he's smarter than you and he's using you Joomla? Know, he's got his own reasons for it. And, and honestly, he's, the website looks pretty sweet. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna uh, trash it at all. Well, as, a, as somebody who loves WordPress and has a lot of respect for Drupal, I think it just it just seemed natural. I mean, Joomla is the, the CMS that everybody loves to hate yeah it is but uh he's he's he uses it quite well does a lot of good work with it and so nice he works on it uh you know usually because he's he's swamped at work he works on it at home we should put a link in the link dump so make sure you send me the link i will um so if he's uh if i get probably like get mad at me because he's actually looking at redesigning it right now because he's not he redesigned it and it looked better but he's not satisfied oh, okay so. don't send me the link whatever phil gosh you're being <laughs> such a girl <laughs> I know, I totally am. <laughs> like, okay. Um, anyway, no offense to any of the girls that are listening. Right. If he's a, if he leaves the church, I mean, he's a great guy, and then it's not. Like, I'm not sure I'm painting a picture here, but let's say he leaves, and he, and for whatever reason, like, let's say he that doesn't leave amicably. This is how nasty rumors are started. I want you to know. <laughs> but does does he get to take the design with him? He did it outside of you know. He's a salaried employee, but he did it at, you know nine o'clock at night at his own home on his own on his own bandwidth on his own laptop. Mm. You know what I'm saying this is the issue that, that I'm coming up against. I, I, I think is is a gray area because so many more churches, your, your pastors are being more more tech uh, oriented, more tech aware as they do the websites themselves. Um, who owns that website? They're doing it. If they do it on church time, okay, it's a little easier to say it's a church owned property. But if they do it outside of the church. How do you do, do divide that up? Did the church put the domain name? Okay, the church owns the domain name, but the design, the colors, the layout, the pastor on that? Oh, guys, though, listen, listen, listen. Here's an example. John Acuff. All right, we have five questions with Nils Smith, which until just a few minutes ago, I would refer to him as Niles, which is completely wrong. Never call this man Niles. It's Nils. Niels is the web pastor at Community Bible Church in San Antonio, Texas, and author of the Social Media Guide for Ministry released through Group Publishing. Niels also had the opportunity to launch the ministry of OnlineChurch.com, which reaches over 12,000 people each week from more than 400 different cities around the world. Niels, welcome 
to five questions. I, I appreciate you having me on, Eric. Awesome. All right. First question of the five church mag questions here. Name your three most favorite blogs. Okay. Uh, Ch- church mag, and it was Church Crunch uh, back in the day, was my first uh, consistent read. First, honestly, my first RSS uh, subscribe uh, was to, to Church uh, Mag. Uh, so, so I would I would put it in top three. Uh, Mashable uh, is another that I read pretty consistently, uh, and, and then Michael Hyatt's uh, blog. Um, is right there as well. So, uh, and, and I'd probably put Michael Hyatt and Tony Morgan, uh, Tony Morgan Live, uh, as, as probably the other two that I follow pretty closely. Awesome. Second question. This is, we say it every podcast. This is probably one of the most personal questions that we ask here on the five questions. Where do you keep your smartphone at night? <laughs> I'm, I'm an iPhone user, uh, and I keep it right next to the bed. I keep it charged with the charger right next to the bed. So. Boom. It's not It's not only by the bed, but it's on the charger. Yeah. yeah. So, always. Right here. He's hardcore, <laughs> people. What's your favorite thing to do that involves technology and the church, so, yeah, I, really connecting connecting people. So I'm a I'm a pastor first uh, that enjoys using technology, and so uh, I, I really just love engaging people. So I was a youth pastor for ten years, um, and love, and that's my draw to social media. Um, is the engagement that happens with people. And so having, I love uh, Skype calls. I love uh, Facebook messages and, and really just connecting to people. So it's not, I enjoy new technologies, but, but really I enjoy connecting with people and using technology how to connect with people. I found an interesting connection with a lot of youth pastors enjoying the tech. I don't know if that's because youth pastors tend to be younger and tech's kind of a young thing still a little bit or what, but uh, there seems to be a definite overlap. Yeah, you know, that. I think it's just natural. Uh, I, I say that I got into social media when I was 19 is when I had my first uh, youth pastor job, and that was that was now 15 years ago. Uh, but, but the best tool in youth ministry I had even then uh, was AOL Instant Messenger. And I, and I really consider that to be essentially the first social network uh, where I was engaging students digitally, which led to physical face-to-face relationships. So, yeah, it's, uh, so I think it was just natural. And, and I can't even imagine doing youth ministry now without being heavily engaged uh, in social media and technology. So it's safe to say that you indeed have had a MySpace account. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the first thing you check on the internet? Ooh, I'm I'm still an email guy, so the first thing I check is my my email. So I've got I probably check my work email first, then my personal email second, and then Facebook third is, is probably my my priority order. Awesome, yeah, that's about my order too. There's. Yeah. It, it sometimes feels like, and I've read this with check-in syndrome stuff, you know, people that are chronically checking their email. Yeah. I actually keep my email, like, in a different Chrome instance <laughs> to, to keep myself out of it. Yeah. But in the morning when I check my email, it, I kind of get that same feeling that you do when you're a kid and it's Christmas. You're like, oh, what, what's there <laughs> yeah. going to be? Yeah. Yeah. What's wrapped up in my inbox? Yeah. And it's kind of a it's kind of a relief too that the world didn't shut down while I was asleep. That it's, that it's still running and uh, the church website isn't shut down and you know uh, the internet is still functioning. But yeah. yeah. Fifth and final question. What did you want to be when you were seven years old? Oh, that's easy. 
I wanted to be uh, the uh, the ace, the starting pitcher for the Houston Astros. I, wa- I wanted to be the, the Nolan Ryan of my generation. That was like during the baseball card boom, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. I, and I still have baseball cards everywhere. Everywhere. My, my wife doesn't understand the obsession. Yeah. Baseball. Niels, thanks for being on Church Mag's Five Questions. So thanks for having me, Eric. All right, top posts. Although it's lately it's been post because we keep talking and talking about the same blog post. So again, this may be no, it won't be again because we recorded out of order. This is like the Back to the Future version because <laughs> <clears throat> we're like is it like going back what's in that time? Movie that they did all in all in reverse memento. Was that, I never saw it, but I heard about it. It's like all done reverse. Or, or the music video by um, Moot Math, where they did, they recorded it backwards. Or no, I'm sorry, they recorded it forward. They played it backwards, so they literally learned the lyrics talking in reverse, like oh, gb, ah, and then they also learned how to play that's crazy the song with their guitars backwards, and so they recorded the whole thing backwards, and then they played it the other way, and it was it's weird. It's a true story. That should be my link. There you go. Ha! Beat that. Doctor <laughs> Who. Jeremy, go ahead. So the Doctor Who trailer just released a week ago, and let me just say... And are you in the TARDIS? You sound like you're in the TARDIS today. Do I? Right now you do. Yeah. No, keep it up. It's great. I'm imagining you in the blue box. I don't want to get lost, so I'll try to stay where I'm at. <laughs> so the Doctor Who trailer dropped this week, and I absolutely love what's going on. So for those that don't know, for some reason, they live in a cave. But, uh, Doctor Who, it's the 50th anniversary, and it's not 50 years of Doctor Who, but it's been available to watch for 50 years. And let me just say that even though this is just a teaser trailer for the upcoming episode that's not part of the whole season yet, this is an amazing trailer that has callbacks every second within it and um we can put in the link dump where there's a guide to find all the easter eggs in it but they have a running list right now of i think it's 25 but then just in the comments they've revealed another 25 different easter eggs that are going on in this trailer so i highly encourage people to go check out the trailer watch it if you are even slightly invested in doctor who just Watch it, watch it again, watch it again. You'll find so many different Easter eggs. It's amazing. So when my wife stands behind me, looking over my shoulder as I watch the Doctor Who trailer for the 500th time, and she wants to know why I was watching it without her, because she wants to see it too, I should just simply say, well, honey, I'm on an Easter egg hunt. Yes. <laughs> exactly. We should we should all pull it up right now and do a uh, Mystery Science Three Theater Three Thousand uh, style uh, review of the trailer. Phil, for the third time, for the third time, count them third time. This is a podcast. There's no video, Phil. No, we can well, here here here. We can watch it ourselves, and then the the person listening to the podcast can pull it up on their own laptop and watch along with us. They can sync with us. Yes, you know, that's not a bad idea. Like Wizard of Oz and uh, that the Led Zeppelin album or whatever it is. Joking aside, because <clears throat> I still think you're confused how this works. <laughs> we should do that sometime. We should like watch it in sync. You know, like synchronize our watches, kind of a thing. And, and let people do that. Like, pause the podcast right now, and then, okay, you unpause it? Okay, click now. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be crazy. We might do that. 
that's that's how that's how we roll. I have long thought, you know, we should. This is an idea that popped my head last night. Is that we do a mystery science three three thousand or um, riff tracks version of a uh, a thief in the night for Halloween. <laughs> Dude, don't scare don't scare me like that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what happened entirely. Is that we'll start talking and then midway through, someone's audio cut out and like, holy crap, someone got raptured from the riff track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but who who are we gonna leave? On the podcast. <laughs> oh, I totally get left behind. That's how it works. That's just that's that's my luck. I'd get left behind. That's just that's just you. <laughs> I would just riff for myself like I for you. Well, okay, get ready for the tribulation of the podcast here. So, um, you know, I start riffing for an hour and a half. So. so, I think to to dedicate to the Doctor Who for this podcast, we need to all three share our favorite Doctor Who moment that we've experienced to this point. The best Doctor Who moment that we've experienced? Yes, off the cuff, no preparation. What is your Obviously favorite? no preparation, except for you. You knew ahead of time because you asked the question. Well, uh, 10 seconds preparation. So that means that you get to go first. <laughs> I get to go first, so I get to take the best one. doesn't really matter what order, Jeremy, because I'll just edit it in whatever order I want to. <laughs> But I get to take the best idea since I'm going first. That's true. I think, that, I think that the best moment for me, I am one of those people that loves callbacks. And so if you ever watched How I Met Your Mother, their entire series is based on callbacks and tying an entire series together. That's why I love the Avengers, because they tie in all these different characters together and they're all intertwined. For me, probably the quintessential moment of all of Doctor Who for me is... If you watch one of the older episodes before the break, they talk about what's going to be happening coming up. And so it's this tie-in to what we left off with with the last season that was predicted, what, 20 years ago in a previous episode that it's all technically already played out in this timeline, but it hasn't been played out as far as how that develops. And so for me, that's the quintessential moment when um, the, the doctor turned around and he realized that the moment was here and he has to face who he's going to become. My favorite moment. Um, and Jeremy, I love the callbacks They're, They make the show beautiful because I never watched the original series at all. And any attempts to do so in the past few we own months and years has been painful. Like I just yeah. watched the eighth doctor's um, TV movie and there was some glimmers of hope there, but I just, overall it's like, ugh, it just, it, it hurt. And um, I, I love it, it's beautiful to have the callbacks to the original series because I, I Wikipedia a lot of stuff and I get through it that way. But my favorite moment, and, it, it, and I say favorite because it popped in my head first when you said this. So I'm going to go with this. It might be a moment I like as well, but I'm going to go with this one here. And it's um, from the Pandora Opens in the, I guess it was fifth season, with the first, the end of the first season with, um, with Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor. And he's given that speech at Stonehenge. And uh, all those, you know, the Daleks and the Cybermen, all, all their ships are flying around, um, mm. making a lot of noise. And he says, basically, he says, you know, um, uh, all of you are whizzing about. It's really very distracting. Could you all just stay still a little minute? Because, and he shouts out, I am talking. And and they all just stop. And it's something that, it's kind of a callback, too, because it's the same thing that the, the Ninth Doctor yelled at the... Um, the Daleks um, in the end of his first season was, you know, I've got six billion languages and there's not one thing you can do to, to make me shut up or whatever it was. And it's just that the reference, the, when the doctor talks, everybody else better shut up. And I just, it's just a very powerful moment. I thought it was really cool because he's talking. What, what is that? But 
talking is his weapon in a way, and it was very sweet. I would probably say, because it's hard to pinpoint exactly what the most awesome moment would be because there's there are so many um but i would say probably one of the coolest things i thought was when he first meets amy pond and she's just a little kid and just how of a mind bender that was (laughs) getting to eat with your mother-in-law exactly exactly it's just absolutely amazing that's part of the problem with the show is there's so many great lines and great scenes and when you said that scene, Eric, it popped in my head uh, when he's eating, he's eating fish custard with her, and he and he says, he says, I'm not. She says, I'm not scared. Says, of course you're not. Strange man falls out of a box out of the sky. You know, eats fish custard, and he says, that's. And he says basically, that's what concerns me. It must be one heck of a scary crack in your wall. <laughs> yeah, that's a good you one know? too. Or the obvious dinosaurs on a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, uh, this is. This is maybe a little bit too self-promoting. I'm not, I'm not very good at self-promoting. So self-promoting? What are you going to promote, Phil? Well, then um, the last Doctor Who post I did on um, Doctor Who versus Jesus. Yes. The more and more I look at the Doctor, there's a lot of things about the Doctor and his – the Doctor's a humanist. Right. Especially the tenth, the tenth Doctor. He was always talking about the what humanity you know right. can do if they just put their minds to it. But if you look at his personality – he he's so good. This is the tenth Doctor. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He's he's good at he's, he comforts the grieved. He he is there to you know take care of those who are hurting and who are alone. And he he does it with a joy and a swagger that just it's mind boggling and it seems disconcerting because like people are this is terrible and the world's gonna end and he's like ah oh, come on I'll take care of it don't worry about it and not that he. He pushes it aside. He's just so aware of who he is. He knows he can solve the problem. And it's that confidence and that joyful playfulness that that just it, it has to be, in a way, how Jesus was. But even more so, obviously, and with a, with a, with a perfect reliance on God and without a single shred of arrogance to him. I just can't see him at the wedding of Cana, you know, turning water into wine and not smiling the whole way through. Well, Jeremy, with you dropping the TARDIS on the podcast here, I think it only seems fit that all the church mag readers who are also Whovians go ahead and leave a comment in the comments telling us what their favorite Doctor Who movement was or has been thus far. You could probably get a thousand different versions and still have all of them unique. That's the best part. It re- it really is a show that I think has something for everyone. And by everyone, we don't mean the whole family. <laughs> and so I'm watching it, and that turns out my associate pastor, he's like, oh, I used to watch that when I was a kid. So he starts watching it with me. And then my wife gets hooked into it, and my wife is she she likes you know more sitcom kind of stuff and more you know dramatic you know shows. She's a big fan of Downton Abbey, and she's like, this is incredible, and she likes the show. As much, if not more, than me sometimes. And it just, it's, a, it's a show that I think captures elements that anyone can enjoy. Yeah, I would say so. I'm sure that's the sign of a good marriage when they like Doctor Who. Yeah, well, you know, we we had to do a major catch-up, and so we watched episode after episode all in a row. And now, whenever we watch one, now that we're all caught up, we always jokingly say, Okay, let's watch the next one, because it was nice being able to then watch the next one and watch the next one, and now we have to wait, and it's it's oh yeah, it's painful. Yeah, we go on. We went on Doctor Who Benders as well. Awesome. 
Doctor Who benders right here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with all this uh, Who-ness, I guess we'll do this again sometime, guys. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, they're gentle as doves, but not wise as serpents. I don't know if they're as gentle as doves sometimes either. Jeremy, are you trying to make a point? <laughs> Guys, my ego. Come on. It somehow turned into a train wreck, and it's all my fault. We are hosted at buzzsprout.com. That's why you're so awesome.